What is up, everyone? I hope you're doing fantastically well today. This is Rafael Garcia here for episode 207 of the MMA Ratings Podcast. I'm coming to you solo dolo tonight, uh, this evening, because I have a pretty hectic schedule tonight and I could not do a late show with Schwan, so he's getting a free night off and I am going to tape this podcast and then go back to doing some more work, so... That's just the life of Raphael. You know, Sean always gives me shit over that for being a man of a hundred and what is it? What is it? A man of a thousand and four jobs to do a call back to Chris Jericho and his one thousand and uh four holds. So yes. I thank you for taking the time to listen to this show and for always supporting the MMA Ratings and our podcast. You can find all of our content over at MMARatings.net. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at MMARatings.net on both spaces. You can hit up MMA Ratings on YouTube to find this podcast when it goes up and the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast, which is once a week as well. And that's, that's just me on the sticks for that one. And you can also check out multiple podcast platforms such as Apple Podcast, Breaker, Google Podcast, Radio Public, and Spotify. But today, I will be talking about a couple of different things. It's been a pretty busy week, oddly, in combat sports. We have Floyd Mayweather fighting Logan Paul on Sunday. I have UFC 263, which is a Saturday to preview. Uh, Clarissa Shields is making her MMA debut. She's fighting on Friday at PFL 4. And then there's also Bellator 260, which has... uh, Douglas Lima, who might be one of the top five fighters in the, the sport outside of the UFC. I'm sitting here thinking him, Gegard Mousasi, uh, Ryan Bader. So, yeah, they're definitely some top names, but that's not something I was thinking about talking about today. But those are the three topics we will be covering and oh, I will be covering. Excuse me. It's just me, myself and I. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. This Sunday, we everyone had the uh, glorious experience of watching Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul box in an exhibition contest. And yeah, there, let's just go to the finish first. It ended in a draw, no winner. And that was kind of the the setup coming in because you kind of knew that that was going to happen. But no one... No one, well, I'm not going to say no one was surprised. Let's, let's go back to that in a second. But the, the showcase did end with both men surviving the eight rounds and ending in a draw. So what was most interesting to me is that people were acting like they were surprised with what occurred. Uh, you saw a lot of people talking about boxing is dead. It's now pro wrestling. Um, this was a, this was a sham, et cetera, et cetera. That showed me that none of those individuals actually follow the sport, and they haven't been following what's been happening of late with this emergence, with the emergence of YouTube fighters and all of this other stuff. Um, boxing isn't like what it was back in the day, where you know um, Hagler and Hearns stood in the ring and beat the fuck out of each other or, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson and all those guys are back doing their thing. Um, things are in a different place now. So especially when you involve Floyd in the conversation, I mean, hell, he's been doing these types of 
showcase exhibitions for a while now. I mean, I won't call Conor McGregor an ex- exhibition, but I mean, damn near close was. And then you have the the Tension Han fight that he did over in, I think that was a rising event over when he went over there and did that fight. That was an exhibition, didn't count towards anything. So why would people think that this was going to be any different? That's what blew me the most. So those people who are feigning that they're upset, if they pay $50 for it, you should be mad at yourself, to be quite honest, because that on paper, that fight wasn't worth, worth $50. When it was announced, that show wasn't worth $50. Um, so you can only blame yourself for being had. I mean, Floyd said it himself during the post-fight that, you know, your kids can't eat legacy. So he's not going to be out here fighting Canelo. He's not going to be out here fighting Earl Spence or anybody else um, trying to make their name. He's going to be doing stuff like this and making that money. I mean, do I think he does a, a exhibition with Jake Paul next? Maybe. We'll see. Let's see what Jake Paul looks like against uh, Tyron Woodley. But that's, again, shenanigans. That is another shenanigans type of showcase where I think at first glance that Jake Paul is going to win, but that's neither here nor there. That is a future conversation. What is the fallout from this? Uh, I think that I think that this isn't going away. And as, maybe it'll go away at such a large scale because Jake Paul has left uh, Triller. He's been over Showtime. I think Logan did as well, too. The chicanery around it isn't really going to last. That's not, you can't keep doing these random YouTubers against random fighters. You're always going to have the MMA competitors out there acting stupid and um, trying to get one of these big fights that they won't be able to get because they signed these ridiculous contracts and they don't have a union or association to represent them. That's one side of it. But you, I don't think we're going to see any other names, big names, like, uh, Jake and Logan Paul, because they had massive followings before they started doing this. Will we see celebrities fighting more? We've seen celebrities fight time and time again. I've always hoped, wished for something like Celebrity Deathmatch, where we can have some of these celebrity beasts get squashed this way. But that'll never happen either. So I do not think that this is going away in any shape or form. I think it's going to stick around, and maybe you could see... You can see some different iterations of it, but it's not going too far at all. We got a good question this week in reference to these types of fights and what would sell. And I think let me pull that question up right now while I am talking about it. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can find this question. So we were asked... Um, when Nick Diaz versus Jake Paul be a marketable fight, I think it would be. It wouldn't be on Triller, obviously, because Jake, they're not with Triller anymore. But I think that is a marketable fight. Nick Diaz is a big name. Nate Diaz is a big name as well. He could do it too after his fight with Leon Edwards. We're going to talk about that later on today. And they come with cult followings who have done, I mean, they followed him just about around everywhere he's fought. 
So, and there is a, oddly enough, there is a clamoring for Nick Diaz's return to active fighting. Dana White was talking about him this week. So you could see something like that coming together. I doubt it. Again, who would I pick? I would probably pick the younger guy. Nick hasn't been doing much for a very long time. He's pushing 40. You know, he wouldn't be in a position that he can get out there and dust it off. You know, like we don't know what he what he's training like right now. We don't know what his diet's like. I mean, yeah, there it's the Diaz brothers, but again, you don't know. You know, and and before even before that, it has been almost ten years since that man has won a fight. So let's not act like he is suddenly some world beater once again. But that wasn't the question. The question is, would that be a marketable fight? And the answer is yes. They can market just about anything, and they can make it work. They, they being well, I'm talking more Showtime right now, not Triller. Triller could do it, and I'm sure that they'll have some massive shenanigans around the fight, like Ric Flair and uh, all this other foolishness that they had for their last event. Who was that? Jake Paul and, and um, Ben Askren. But they have other stuff slotted too. They had that proposed Evander Holyfield fight that fell through. They have Lamar Odom doing a fight too. Uh, so it's it's just, it's going to get stupid. Is this bad for the sport? Um, I'm still leaning no. No one's been talking about boxing for a very long time and all, across all channels, not in the same way that they used to. Mike Tyson is a walk through that door. Roy Jones is a walk through that door. And Floyd Mayweather may not be coming back too often either. So we're in a different space where boxing isn't as big and these younger names, Logan and Jake Paul specifically, are rising rising and creating some attention around that. I saw that he reportedly made twenty million for the Floyd Mayweather fight. You know, I'm not gonna question that. I'm not gonna question that man's pockets, but I could see him racking some cash up after that event. The opportunity is there that and people wanna and people are willing to pay to watch this there's 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 a target audience so i think that there i think that that is a marketable fight and i don't i don't know if jake paul is running out of marketable fights i think he is a good enough promoter that he can keep talking himself into fights but they're going to get increasingly dangerous like he has this one against tyron Woodley next former ufc champion he wasn't a heavy hitter in the later portions of his fight run, early he had definitely had those knockouts of you know um, John Young Kim, uh, Josh Kinder, uh, Josh Koscheck. So you know just do a blank. He knocked out Josh Koscheck. He knocked out Jay Huron. Who he knocked out Darren Till. Uh, somebody I'm forgetting. Can't remember who I'm forgetting, but Tyron isn't that guy anymore. So he's fighting Jake Paul. I'm expecting Jake Paul to win. I know that's going to make make our MMA fan or our MMA listeners mad, but I am expecting Jake Paul to win that fight. However, again, like I said, the question was about Nick. Nick and Jake Paul, is that a marketable contest? I think the answer is yes. I think there's money there. I think that's even something that Dana White would want to get a little bit of a taste into as well and try to see if it can help co-promote. They don't need him, but I could see something like that happening. So again, am I surprised about everything that happened with uh, for Logan Paul fighting Floyd Mayweather? Not at all. If you can see me, I'm sitting here shaking my head. 
Uh, not at all. Not one bit. People are going to pay what they want to pay. And the party feel around that is going to wear out sooner or later. And we'll see what that looks like. Can something we take take its place? Yes. Um, I wonder... I really would want to know what the crossover of fan is like in this space. Like, are there MMA fans who are watching this? Are there wrestling fans who watch this? Are there other sports fans who watch this? I would love to see what those numbers look like. And we probably won't have that data for an extensive period of time. But I wonder if there's some crossover there. Because you kind of see this in BKFC. They paired... Rachel Ostevich, who just was who was just cut by the UFC against Paige Van Zandt, and I can guarantee you that fight is going to be a a, a co is either a main event or a co-main event. Let me look and see if they've said if they said that yet. Well, let's hop over to Wikipedia. Paige Van Zandt. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I think stars. Uh, so she's fight who? Okay, so they fight. They fight at BKFC nineteen in July. And right now they're one of two fights booked. There's only two women's fights that have been booked. So we'll see. But I definitely expect them to headline that event. But like I was saying, boxing has taken that more circus-like feel. And this one is no different. This one being Jake Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. And I think we should expect for this to be here for the um, the extended duration. No one should be surprised by this at all. So let's keep on rolling. And let's talk about our next topic, which is UFC 263. We're going to do a little bit of a preview of this card. It is headlined by uh, Marvin Vittori fighting Israel Adesanya for the second time. They first fought back in, uh, let's see, and pull that up. They first fought to a split decision back in. Uh, 2017. So for... Nope, that's not right. 2018. They fought for a split decision across three rounds. I did not know Israel Adesanya fought Melvin Gillard. Did not know that at all. Smoked him in five minutes, basically. Melvin Gillard, man, that's a name. That's a dude I used to be, like, rock with. Yo, I was a big Melvin Gillard fan. But that's neither here nor there. Um... Israel Asanya and Vittori. Uh, so, I wonder what this fight is going to look like. Because the question is, how much has Vittori grown since that fight in um, 2018 compared to how much has Adesanya grown since fighting Blahovich a couple months back? The reason why that is an important conversation is because we saw how Yan basically negated everything that um, everything that Israel tried to do. Let me see something. 
we saw Israel basically um, get negated in a sense. He was unable to get his offense off like we're used to. He was wrestled to the ground and nullified across the five rounds. Now, Vittori had some success in taking Adesanya down to as well, but he wasn't able to do enough of it to get the entire win. One judge saw his way, the other two saw it uh, Adesanya's way. So you have to ask yourself who's improved the most in that time. Vittori's looked good his last uh, few fights. I don't think he's lost since then. Let me pull this up. Because he has not, I don't think he's lost since. Nope, he lost to Adesanya. He beaten Cesar, Fra, uh, Cesar Feria, Andrew Sanchez, Carl Robinson, Jack Hermanson, and then Kevin Holland. He, in my opinion, I see why he got the, the title shot, but that's not a... I mean, the Jack Hermanson win is probably the best win out of all five of those, to be quite frank with you. I wonder what he's going to look like on the feet. Is he going to try to stay in that position, or is he just going to try to take... Adesanya down. And again, you have to wonder what Adesanya's takedown defense will look like. My biggest concern and what makes, what frustrates me the most, because it's not just Adesanya who's been doing this, but I've been seeing this consistently across all of mixed martial arts. And what has sucked is that guys who are getting taken down are not um, using their offense to get back up. And what I mean by that is that it's not looking... It's not looking like people are advancing from that position. Because I'm, I've been seeing this a lot, and Adesanya was doing this though, and this he was doing this as well in this fight with Bohovic. He was not looking to get up. People are using their guard to hold the top player in position, looking for a stand up or to run out time and keep them from scoring and taking a lot of damage. But that is ridiculous. No one's using their hooks to elevate, get their feet on the hips, push away, maybe play for some sweet like. No, I mean, you have some exceptions to the rule, but it's just not happening enough for me. And tying this back to Adesanya, when he was taken down by Bohovic time and time again, he did not look like he was ready to try to get back up to his feet. Maybe he just couldn't. Maybe the size difference was an issue at 185 versus or being at 205 as compared to 185. Maybe that was a challenge, but he did not make a big enough effort, a big enough stink about it for me in trying to get back to his feet. So I'm concerned on if he gets taken down again this time by uh, Vittori, will he be able to get out from bottom? Like, that's the most important part, and I have not seen anything that makes me think he can. These two have fought in the past, and I get that. Vittoria looks a little bit different now, and you got to wonder what he can do across five rounds. What is that going to look like? 
So let's kind of really see. Like that's the most intriguing piece of that to me. You have one fighter's uh, improvement on the feet, and then you have another fighter's improvement on the mat. Who's going to win out in that space? And I and I think that if I had to, if you had to put me on blast right now and tell me to pick a winner, I'm going to go um, Adesanya right this minute. Um, yeah, I'm leaning Adesanya. I don't think that Victoria will get enough of the takedowns early in the fight to um, do uh, do enough on, on, on the scorecard. And I can't see him stopping Adesanya. Now, the question is about who's next. And a lot of people seem to think that Richard, um, Richard, oh, excuse me, Robert Whitaker is next for him. And that doesn't necessarily see to be the case. Um, according to what Dana White is saying, you know, but that's, that's, that's what it is because, you know, Dana White isn't one to necessarily tell the truth. And no, like no one will be, no one will be surprised if he went with another fighter over Whitaker last minute. No one would no one would, would be surprised. So I would not I would not put all my my ducks on Robert Whitaker being a man to get the get the uh winner out of Saturday's main event. But for right now, I'm picking Israel out of science to pick up the win and move on with the one hundred and eighty five pound belt. Then we have another title defense, Dave, another rematch. Too, as well. I just thought about that. Davison Figueredo fighting against Brendan Moreno. I think this is going to be the best fight of, of the night. They're fighting, uh, coming off of a rematch. that saw them go 25 minutes and ended a draw. Uh, Figueredo is looking to defend the 125-pound title, and Moreno is trying to take it. This is an important fight for both guys. For Figueredo, I see this being an important fight because he is on the cusp. He's on the cusp of being an intriguing champion when the UFC needs more of those guys, and especially at, at the lighter weight classes. They always need them under 155, and he can help submit that. I always love looking at his preview or fight preview stories because they always talk about his ability to do hair. Like He's a real renaissance man. I would get my hair cut by him if I was ever in... Brazil. He's a real Renaissance man, and I love that about him. I'm sure it kind of sets some some of the MMA GA uh, fan base off. But he 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 he's my guy. I'm a fan of Davidson, but he has a tough test in Moreno. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I was surprised Moreno went 25 minutes with him last time. I just knew he was going to get finished, but he did what he needed to do. And he um, picked up a picked up a draw, which set up this rematch. Now, there's always an interesting debate about the recency bias around rematches and how people adapt, and whether or not if you fight someone in June, for example, and turn around and fight them in August, September, if you've improved improved enough to overcome them. So the story would be whether or not Moreno has improved enough. To get the win. Um, I am picking Figueredo to defend his title here. I think it's going to look starkly different. 
um, than the first one. And I, and I think he's going to kind of put it on uh, Moreno. But Moreno can win. I could, again, as always, as so many other topics in the, in the past, I could be dead wrong here. And by being dead wrong, I mean, it wouldn't be anything new. It wouldn't be anything different. So Moreno could walk out of here with the title. But I'm, I'm leaning Figueredo uh, right now. And then we have Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. And this is the uh, epitome of a trap fight. You have Edwards, who has been trying to get to a title shot for at least the last two years now. He had COVID, basically stripped his 2020 from him. Then uh, 2021 comes around. He gets a very interesting fight against Lil Muhammad. One where he looked like he was winning the first round. He actually pokes the man in the face, pokes the man in the eye, fights over. And I don't even know. I wonder what he got for that. But he got the victory technically um, for that. Or no, it was just called a no contest. So he's then booked into this fight because no one else wants to fight him. Or Jorge doesn't want that fight. Uh, Kobe Covington's not going to take it. He's just going to keep talking on the side. But you know, you know we don't talk about Kobe Covington on, on this show. But... Leon Edwards is just sitting out there waving in the wind. So he gets this fight with Nate Diaz. And this feels like a trap fight to me. Because this is the perfect fight where Edwards can come in there and blow the doors off of Nate. And the story is going to be, well, it's Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz doesn't beat top five fighters. He is just, he's a journeyman who isn't a real title contender. And he's fighting at 170. He's really a lightweight. That's going to be the conversation if Edwards comes in and blows the doors off, off of him. And that justification will be enough, especially with MMA fans, to keep him away from the title shot that he so rightfully wants and kind of deserves at this point in time. Then there's the other side of the conversation where you have Diaz, who if he picks up a win, he has the world at his... He could easily be slid into the title picture at 170. Don't be surprised in any way, shape, or form if that happened. If he won and they were suddenly talking about him fighting for a title, titles in the UFC don't mean jack. It is more about um, him. It is more about the UFC doing what they can to uh, get attention. So, yes. Um, so yes, they don't, they don't really care about them. So I could see Nate being slotted into a title challenger position right out the gate. So that's another piece of that. I am interested in what this fight looks like. I think Leon Edwards wins. He should win. He's, I mean, the Diaz brothers, I get it. They're, they're good at what they do. However, comma, there are... There are ceilings to that. And we've seen them before. And we've seen them against guys who look like Leon Edwards. So I don't expect to see some different type of Nate Diaz to come out there and get the win. And as I've always said, I'm not a fan of ring rust. I think that that always plays to the detriment of people who are um, taking, the, taking the time off. And Nate has been off. For an extended period of time, I, I I expect Leon to get in here and get this win. So what else stands out to me on this card? I saw that Lauren Murphy is fighting. 
Now let me pull up who she's fighting because she may be fighting for a title shot. Lauren uh, has been very vocal about wanting to fight Valentina Shevchenko, which is, you know, maybe damn well, very well be a destinist. And she's fighting Joanne Calderwood, who was the individual in line to fight Shevchenko, but fucked around and got herself submitted by Jennifer Maya. So now that she's in this title eliminator fight to see who will be next to go up against Bullet. And it's a kind of a, it's a every man for herself type of situ, uh, situation. With Calderwood being four in her last six and uh, Murphy is riding a four fight win streak. Is that correct? Correct. Calderwood looked really good in her last fight against Jessica I. She looked really good. She did not look all there against Jennifer Maya, as we kind of pointed out. But, I mean, Caitlin Chikagian beat her as well, too. So, I'm wondering what she looks like in this fight here. Because Murphy is going to be tough as, tough as nails. Murphy's riding a four-fight win streak uh, against... They both recently fought Andrea Lee with Calderwood getting a split decision in 2019. And uh, Murphy getting a split decision as well in 2019. That's pretty... Uh, 2020. So that's pretty uh, intriguing there. I think this is going to be a good one. The winner should probably get a fight at 125. I mean, it, you call it a fight, but they'll probably be getting sacrificed to Valentina Shevchenko, which she's she's one of the most dangerous women in the world. And that's kind of the case for anyone looking to come up at 125 pounds to take her on. So you also have that contest. And that one really stands out to me because I think the winner is going to be very adamant about picking up a or getting a title shot based off of how they perform on Saturday. So what else from Saturday's card stands out to me? I don't think that there's anything else. I think that was really it for me. Um, let me pull up the card. Let's see. Let's, Damian Maya is back against Bilal Muhammad. Um, I think that'll be a good one. Drew Dober is back. I, I always kind of like Drew Dober. I like Eric Anders, too, as well. He's on the car competing. Matt Frivola's there. Chase Hooper's back. So there's a lot to kind of talk about for Saturday's event. It's not the greatest card. I I will not be working because DC opens back up on Friday. And we are going to be doing hood rat shit with my friends. That's how that, and that's going down Friday and Saturday. So I will not be watching live, but I'll probably have to recatch it on Sunday. So that's my preview of the main pieces of UFC 263. I want to talk about a couple other topics really quickly. Let's talk about Clarissa Shields. Over on this fight is on Friday as well. Um, this card is on Friday as well, and at the top of the card, Clarissa Shields is fighting Brittany Elkin. And obviously, this is a big moment for Cloyster Shields. She's making her MMA debut. If you do not know who Cloyster Shields is, she's a world champion boxer, a gold medalist, multiple time world champion boxer. I mean, she is, she got the hands. She will put those paws on you. And she's doing a great job making this transition to MMA from a promotional standpoint. 
I think she's saying all the right things. She's doing all the right things, showing all the right things. And the question now, well, can she can she turn that over in the ring or in the, or in the cage when she fights tomorrow? This is on Thursday, excuse me, June the 10th. Bellator is on Friday. She has a tough test in Brittany Hogan. Brittany's record is 3-6, and six, and I get how people will roll their eyes at that. But Brittany does not, she does not go away. She is a tough-as-fuck wrestler, grappler. I've seen her compete at organizations like um, Fight the Win and other uh, big grappling showcases. And she's dangerous. She gets her hands on you. She can take you down, and she can submit you. Yes, she fought Kayla Harrison in 2018 and got submitted. But her strength is... Kayla's expertise. So it's different and when you compare it to what Clarissa Shields brings to the cage. Clarissa's going to be trying to box, maintain range, which is what she should be doing. And we're going to see what her power translates to in MMA because she didn't really have power in women's boxing. It was a little bit different. And you have to see what it looks like in MMA with these smaller gloves and her walking into the cage for the first time. So I'm interested in seeing what she looks like there. Then we have um, if Brittany Elkin can get her to the ground. What happens if she can't? I doubt she'll, if she gets her hands on her, I doubt she won't be able to, to take her down. And if she does, what does her groundwork work? Uh, what, is, what, what does Britney's groundwork look like compared to Clarissa's? I guarantee you it's light years ahead of it. So I think that that is the story here on Saturday. No, excuse me, Thursday at PFL 4. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to pick Britney Oaken to win this fight. I get that Clarissa is the prospect. She's young. She's coming in with ridiculous experience in the boxing realm, but I am not going to discount Clarissa Shields. I'm not going to discount Brittany Oaken, excuse me. It makes me, this really makes me think about the fight between Brock Lesnar and Frank Muir a lot. Frank Muir had all, everything to lose, and he goes out there and submits Brock because Brock makes a mistake after dropping him. I can see this fight going like that, where, um, Clarissa ends up taking the L. Will it be monumental in a in a in a situation to cry about? I don't think so. But I think she could be tasting an in, in, in L here. And that's really what I'm going to be watching for tomorrow. Does it help Brittany Elkin's star power if she wins? Absolutely not. She has everything to lose here. And was, no, excuse me, she has nothing to achieve. Brittany Elkin has nothing to gain as well, so I'm not even going to front. Because people are going to go right back to ignoring PFL. Then, last topic I want to talk about today before I get to some questions. It's Bellator 260. They had a couple fights that stood out to me. I think Paul Daly is retiring, I believe. I've read about that. I've seen that. That he may be retiring after this fight. So he's fighting Jason Jackson. And I'm always here to see 
Paul Daly uppercut someone into the stratosphere. He's been doing it for years. I've always wondered why he never got a shot to go back to the UFC. I wonder if they've ever reached out to him or looked or looked looked to try to offer something to him. Because he's deserved that after getting cut. You know, he got cut from let me see something. So Paul Daly was fighting in the UFC and he got cut because he took an extra swipe at Josh Koscheck. That was back in a long time ago, 2010. After that, he won four fights straight, even beating Jorge Masvidal. So he won four fights straight. Then um, he's fought a lot of people. Then he loses to Nick Diaz and Tyron Woolley. He wins two more, loses to Masaki, wins four more, you loses to Yakolev. Is Yakolev fighting this weekend? No, that's someone else. Uses to uses to Lakolev, Yakolev, excuse me. Wins five more. Loses to Douglas Lima. Wins one, loses to Roy McDonald. Then he he beats Lawrence Locker, knocks him out. Loses to John Fitch, Michael Page, and then he's won three straight. He's, how old is he? Paul Daly is, I think he's, I think he's 38. We're the same age, we're close to the same age. Yeah, 38. I've always been a, a Paul Daly guy, and I've always wondered why he never got another shot in the UFC. And just looking at what his record was after he was cut from the UFC and his situation with Josh Kostya, he, he could have got another shot. That's a question I've always wanted to ask. Why didn't he get? Why didn't he go back to the UFC? But he's doing his damn thing out here in Bellator still. He'll be fighting Jason Jackson at Bellator 260. I expect him to get the win there. Douglas Lima and Yaroslav Amoslav. I think I may have said that right. Amoslav is 25-0. You cannot bat your eye at that. And this is a tough test. For Lima, I, I said at the top of the show, Lima may very well be the best fighter not in the UFC in the world. I mean, it'll, it'll there's definitely an argument, there's definitely a case for that. This may be the fight where Kova goes off the wheels. Um, Amoslav is not an easy out, especially if you look at the way Lima has lost in the past, he's been taken down basically controlled, and he couldn't really do that. I'm not saying he doesn't know how to get back up now, but this is an, an, an important fight for this organization, and I kind of, and I'm leaning, I'm leaning the Lima to keep the welterweight, welterweight, welterweight title. Aaron Pico's back, looking to pick up a win over Aiden Lee. I think that should be a good one, 7-3 against 9-4. Uh, let's see, there were some other, Nick Newell is also back. You may not I mean, you should remember Nick Newell, unless if you're like a brand new uh, MMA fan, but he is the fighter who is amputated at the elbow. I believe it's his right elbow. No, it might be his left. But he's fought for a World Series of Fighting title. He's fought in the UFC. He's been active and, uh, oh, he fought on Dana White Contender Series. But he's been active and he just continues, continues to deliver when he's in there. So let's see what this guy looks like. I am, I am a fan of him. 
and I want to see Nick Newell succeed. So we can spend a few minutes looking at some questions that may have been asked. And give me a second. We can, we can spend a few seconds looking at some questions. And the main one that came in was about Dana White's comments about healthcare. And it kind of ties into the second question we have as well, too, about um, fighter pay. But Dana White, he made a comment about uh, fighters getting health care. And he, according to Dana, he, he was talking to Aaron Bronstetter and he meant to answer one question, but he answered the other with a soon. And people thought that he was talking about fighters getting long-term health care soon. And he had to go back on that and correct himself. You know, and people were upset the way he laughed at it like it was nothing, like he wasn't talking about anything, and like he, he's dismissing the need for long-term health care. I mean, we've seen multiple fighters have to do like GoFundMe's to get surgery after, well after their fight career. So it probably is in their best interest to have long-term health care. But that is not the case for any of these men and, and women. And um, that was that was probably pointed out and corrected by Dana White. The other um, topic in, com- in conversation point was about Francis Ngannou's tweet after the Paul and Mayweather fight where he was like, how are these guys getting paid all of this money um, to basically do exhibition fights? I'm seeing, I've seen that Jake Logan may have gotten anywhere between 10 to 20 million for that fight and you gotta say fight in air quotes whenever you mention it which is a lot of fucking money it's more than what majority of mma fighters will make in their career all almost all of them i'm gonna i'm gonna front and that's telling because there aren't any persons like that in mma and you have guys talking about oh i'll fight so and so i'll fight so and so so to see Nganu's statement like that you have to kind of laugh and say, you guys are doing it to yourselves. And that's really kind of where they are. They shouldn't even have, like, they can have these conversations, but they don't do more than, they don't do enough for themselves to create a union or stand stand against Dana White. That's even kind of frowned upon. So Francis and Gano knew the answer to that question, why they do not have, or excuse me, why don't they, why can't they get paid? 20 million for boxing like they do in MMA. But that is it for this week. We've gone a little bit over 40 minutes talking about UFC 263, Bellator 260, um, PFL 4 with Carissa Shields starting. So we have quite a bit to talk about. Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul as well. So I just want to kind of close out this show. As always, I thank you for taking your time and for listening to us here at the MMA Ratings Podcast. You can find us at MMARatings.net on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find me, myself, and I at Garcia underscore Twitter. And I thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen to the show. Please be sure to uh, share, like, share, and react to everything that I um, do at MMA Ratings and across all of my side ventures. That's where I will put it, but... Either way, folks, I thank you all for being who you are. Thank you for your support. Please stay safe, wear your mask, get vaccinated, and Black Lives Matter.